You know the vibes. It's a Wednesday. That means it's time to talk all things MVP and NBA awards. You're listening to the Hoop Genius Podcast presented by NBA 2K22. I'm your host, Mo Mootsi, alongside my co-host, the three-time NBA champion. Real name, no gimmicks. <laughs> Mr. PJ Armstrong. Yes. Shout out to I, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, you know. Okay. Maybe our younger fans aren't too familiar with the reference, but here we are. Another Wednesday, B. Midweek. It's time to check in. I'm a happy man. Once again. Yes. My yes. agenda. My agenda has been pushed again last night or the other night. Nikola Jokic, big time. 26 points. 19 rebounds, 11 assists, two steals, and some big plays down the stretch in the crunch time win over the Charlotte Hornets. For the Denver Nuggets, who are currently sitting just one and a half games outside of fourth place. Mm. I'm still rocking mm. with Jokic for my MVP. I, I, I oh. can't be mad at oh, you. Oh, I, what, what, what can you say? What can you say? Man, I'm, I'm, I just want to... I, I was looking at that game on the weekend, the Phoenix Suns versus the Philadelphia 76ers. And I know Embiid had a huge game. He had 37, yes. right? But I was yeah. really looking at that because I need the Sixers to start winning some of these games when the spotlight is on them. And this yes. is this is my only knock, is the three times recently where we've seen the spotlight on them, the game against Brooklyn, the game against Denver, and the game against the Phoenix Suns. The Sixers have lost all three of them. Now, it's all well and good putting up numbers, but I need your numbers to impact winning. I'm not saying MB doesn't impact winning. I'm just saying in those three particular games. Because in particular, the game, as we've spoken about before, between the Denver Nuggets and the Philadelphia 76ers, the Nuggets had no business coming back from 19 down to win that game. So for me, the only reason why I can't give Embiid the MVP award and we spoke about this on Sky recently. I said he will get it because voters don't like giving the same guy the same award over and over again. But that's the reason why I can't give it because they're neck and neck. Even Giannis in the mix, they're all neck and neck right now, right? I don't think there's any distinguishing factors to put any above the others. But I know that you've got Embiid currently just ahead of the pack by a little yes. bit right now. Yes. Why do you have yes. Embiid just ahead? Well, I, I think overall what Joel has had to do and how Joel has performed from start to finish has been terrific. I think he's without question in my mind and watching him play and what he's been able to do and the, and the load he's carrying. And you know what? I want to say this because Jokic is carrying the load and dealing with what he has to deal with as well. You can certainly make the argument with Jamal Murray being out and Michael Porter Jr. being out and this team, they're currently what fifth, now in the Western Conference, is that where they're at? Mm -hmm. uh, they're, you know, they have to deal with problems. Giannis has just been amazing. I mean, now his averages and the minutes he's playing has been phenomenal. But I think JoJo, in particular this season, has been the most dominant player. He has commanded, you know, attention. I've seen his growth. I've seen his leadership, the way he comes out commands a double team, takes on that responsibility. And more importantly, they've been winning and they've been near the top or at the top all year long in spite of everything that they've had to go on. And that's not an excuse for any team because every team has had to deal with something. But in particular, I think his performance throughout all of the things that's going on with that team, 
and the duress in which he's had to perform, I think sets him apart just by a smidgen over the other two. I think Joel has been excellent. He's had to fit in. He's had to adjust his game. And why he's doing all of this, we still believe that they have a chance to win the championship. And I just think that speaks volumes about where he's come, knowing where he came from when he came into this league to where he's at now. I hear it. I do hear it. But like I said, I need those signature games. I need there to be a game where you establish yourself against a top, top level team and say, listen, and it's all well and good doing it in October, November, but now we're in a business right. end of the season. I'm saying this is where I need the MVP to step up and say, hey, look, Miami's slipping up. We're going to go on a run now. Get that first seed. We've got Harden now. Let's go get it. But we talk about the MVP a lot, right? We talk about it every week. But there's a race in the NBA that I think is actually almost harder to call than the MVP race this season, as close as the MVP race is. And Which that, is... for me, is the Rookie of the Year award. Because yes, for the first few months, we all thought, all right, Evan Mobley's going to run away with it. But this kid, Scotty Barnes in Toronto, has been balling crazy ways. And especially because Nick Nurse has got him, especially when Fred Van Pleet's not there, he's pretty much like a six foot nine point guard for the Toronto Raptors. He's taken on ball handling responsibilities. He's doing everything that's asked for him on offense and on defense. Um, but also, Cade Cunningham mm. has been taking control of the ship in Detroit. Yes. Yes. Excuse me. And, um, you know, here's a wild card that I think Franz Wagner, not saying that he'll win the award, but I think he does deserve some recognition, right? Because Orlando have won 20 games this season. But without mm -hmm. him, I think they only win 10. He's been that key and that integral for that team because he's come in. And if you watch the Magic play, I don't know how many people do, but if you watch the Magic play, he looks like he's been in the NBA for a while. He plays with a poise of, of almost like a veteran player in the way that he reads the game. So I just wanted to show him some love. But right now... I don't know who to give the, the rookie of the year because I think Mobley's got there on consistency of being great from the start of the year. But then you also have to make the case that he's playing with much better teammates around him than Kay Cunningham is in Detroit. And then Scotty Barnes also is, if you're looking at individual performances or big-time games and stuff like that, he's had a few. So where do you sit with the rookie of the year race at the moment? Because Mobley went down with an injury the other night I don't know how long he's out for. I feel so bad for Cleveland. Jarrett Allen out injured. Rubio had that horrible injury. Lauren Marketing went off injured. Now Mobley, I feel bad for Cleveland. They had such a great season. Now they're slipping down currently in the seventh seed. But do you think Mobley's done enough at this point, even if he doesn't play again, to win Rookie of the Year? You know, Mo, uh, in answering that question, I want to put, try to put it in context. I think this is a three-man race. Okay, I think Kay Cunningham now deserves to be mentioned in this race. Kind of, kind of like what we're talking about with the MVP. Kay Cunningham is in the race. Now, if you're asking me today, okay, those two guys, Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes, they are ahead of Kay Cunningham because Kay Cunningham missed a portion at the beginning yeah. of the season, yeah. had a slow start. But once he got himself in the proper conditioning, you know, he really came on strong and he's coming on strong right now and he's playing well. You know, we 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 were able to, you know, watch him this past weekend on Sky Sports television, the game you and I uh, did the telecast with. And he was terrific. He really was. I mean, he looked like he's going to be 
a a, a piece. Yeah, and and here's one thing I would say is, with all due respect to his fellow Detroit Pistons, I think if Cade played on the Cavaliers or the Raptors or another one of these teams, his assist numbers would be up and it would be easier for him to score the ball because we've seen the defense kind of pay more attention to him. You know, he's not got a Pascal Siakam or a Fed Van Fleet taking attention away from him. He's not got a Darius Garland or a Karis LeVert when he's got the ball taking attention away from him. He's got the ball and the defense is loading up, said, all right, we've got to stop Kate. Well, I think what we're saying, I think what we agree upon is that Kate Cunningham is a good player on a good team. And it's going to be on, a, on good a good player on, on a good on a good team. What we're saying here is that Kate Cunningham. What we're seeing is he has the potential to be a good player on a good team. Yes, yes. He's I, currently not on a team that's winning now. But what we're saying is, I know you're not. I, I know not you a don't. Good player, you, you're trying to avoid saying the Pistons are a bad team. I can see it. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying they're a bad team. They're a young team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Just an inexperienced yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, yeah. I, look, listen. Hey, Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart. Uh, Marvin Bagley, these are players. These are pieces. You're not going to – very rarely do you come into this league as a young kid, first, second, or third year, and make the impact that Evan Mobley has made. Okay? Yeah, and, and, and even then, you could – and then you could say, well, he's playing with all-stars, current all-stars right now. He's playing with Darius Garland. Ricky Rubio was playing exceptionally well for them early in the season. Kevin Love, who's been an all-star, may be a Hall of Fame player. Uh, the big kid, uh, what's, what's the big kid's Mark name? Uh, Jared Allen. Oh, yeah. Jared, Allen, Jared yeah. Allen. Jared Allen, who became an all-star. So Scotty Barnes is playing with an all-star point guard. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Fred Van Fleet. Siakam is playing near an all-star caliber player. So they have a significant advantage. It's easy to play in this league with better players. It makes the game easier. Yeah. Kay Cunningham was without question a good player on a good team. Now the question remains, is he the best player? What I mean, the best player, is he in that elite category where he will be a top 10 player to lead a team to where we know the Pistons want to go? Do you know? Now, I, I Go ahead. Just some. I wish there was a sophomore of the year award because I think for me, that's more fascinating sometimes than the rookie of the year. Well, that, well, what, let me tell you now you're thinking like an executive, the executives always want to know who's the best player in year two, because your, your rookie year, you have no preparation for what you're about to happen. Think especially especially these guys, no proper college because of pandemic. You know what I mean? No proper a, training camp and all of that stuff, too. Yeah, you have a pre-draft workout. You get drafted. You go to all. You go to summer league. You go to all the rookie transition. You have a, a week or two to get ready, get situated into a city. Training camp starts. Season, boom, boom, boom. All of this is just happening. Bam, 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 bam. This is the first summer where you will see these guys actually have an opportunity to prepare for the season. And this is where the players separate themselves. So as much as we like to make a, 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 a big, you know, to who about, you know, who's going to be rookie of the year, the real, you know, rookie of the year will be coming up. 
because you'll see now who's going to separate themselves mm -hmm. this summer. You're going to see. And in year two is when the executives say, this is who Kay Cunningham is really going to be. This is who Evan Mobley is really and, going to be. And this is who Scotty Barnes is really going to be. And, and I also think that after a year in the league, teams can then prepare for you accordingly, right? So example, Michael Carl Williams, rookie year, sensational. Triple-double in his first NBA game, I think. After that, it kind of got tricky for him because teams kind of figured him out. And that's with all due respect to him, you know, and, and what he did in his career. But I agree that the second second year of the player's career is the most decisive, yeah, but I, I guess, answer in a way. Your question but who do I think is going to be yeah, we got to talk about this the rookie of the year. Yeah, which is what I think. I think right now, if you said one, I this kind of reminds me of that Grand Hill, Jason Kidd, because mm. they got the co. That's what rookie they of the got year. the co. I think these two guys are the co. I really do. We're gonna give them I, both. I really do, you do. do you think the league would go for that this year? Well, I, I think I think you have to. Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley's impact. You, every executive I've spoken to in the league, recognize what he's brought. Yep. To an the executive this week he's said the culture. An executive this week said nobody. Have all the rookies impacts winning in the way that Evan Mobley does, and you can't deny that with Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley, especially on the defensive, I thought game, I was talking to you when I heard that. identity. When I heard oh, this yeah, executive but, say well, no I, one impacts winning like Evan Mobley, I heard it in your voice in my head. I think you should. This is BJ talking right now. <laughs> this is what this is what without question. This is without question. It wasn't me on the on the call, but this is what, everyone I've spoken to recognize it. Scotty Barn, he's really. You know what's amazing about Scotty Barnes? Scotty Barnes hasn't hit the wall yet. Mm. He hasn't had that moment where you say he started off good and then he just hit the wall. You know, he's been consistent and he was he's gotten better after All-Star Weekend, which is kind of odd. They've changed how he plays. Now he's looking to score a little more and they are making a nice playoff push with him in the fold. Yep, they're creeping you up the standings. Like yes, so I think Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley has stood above, slightly above everyone else. You know, Kay Cunningham, you can tell he's going to be right there with the, you know, if he doesn't miss those first 15 games and his team gets better. But I think those two right there are running neck and neck for mm. rookie of the year. Mm. That is an interesting take. And I would, I would love to see them both get it because I think they're both deserving of it yes you know yes both great young players and i'm excited to see what the future brings and i think all credit to the raptors who turned a horrible season last year into they found a silver lining you know being in tampa being away from home the tampa tank is what it's now known as the tampa tank messiah jury strikes once again and a lot oh, of people, oh god <laughs> you know and and with respect to Jalen sucks who i think is a great young player but a lot of people had Jalen sucks above scotty barnes on their draft boards so I respect yes. the Raptors for taking Scotty Barnes and seeing the vision because it's not just Scotty Barnes. Look at how they build that team. I watched them play against the Celtics, right? The other night, the Celtics were missing four of their stars, but whatever, you just got to play whoever's in front of you. And the defense of the Raptors just wreaks havoc because they've just put Fred Van Fleet and then just four guys that are like six foot seven, six foot 11, who will just get their arms in the passing lanes and just get steal after steal, run in transition and just break you down. I love what they're building there, especially as the league right. transitions to this. You know, we talk about Evan Mobley, Cleveland having the Twin Towers, 
should we call it, you know, Allen and Mobley. We've seen mm-hmm. Mobley play the five since Allen was injured, but when Allen's back, they're going to be the four and the five, two seven-foot players, and they have marketing in the three. So as the league is progressively getting bigger and bigger and away from the small ball or whatever it was called, I think the Raptors are low-key making the perfect storm to disrupt all of these teams because they can all switch. I'm If I'm the Raptors, I'm comfortable with these guys all switching and for a possession, OG Ananobi having to guard a big or Pascal Siakam having to guard a wing. You know what I mean? I'm comfortable with all of that. So it's interesting to see what they're building over there in Toronto because I really like, you know, the, the philosophy that they've got, building it on defense. Well, you know what? You know what Masai is doing? Mm. You know, and I like your word, low-key. You know, I, I like when you say low-key. It's one of my, like, my favorite words. You know, it's like you're, you're, putting, you're giving me game, you know? <laughs> Masai, low-key, <laughs> is building a championship-caliber team, and they're one player, a one superstar away. Mm-hmm. Because they can defend. They can defend now. They can defend consistently. They have multiple players right now who can initiate your offense in Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Fleet, which is key. You got to have a minimum of two, but they can defend. And they're just missing that one guy who could play when the games gets, game gets well, chaotic. Well, I think Siakam, not that he's a super superstar, but he's got better progressively throughout this season. Right now, I have him on my All-NBA 30. I don't know about you, because that's another interesting conversation right. that we need to have. Right. But I've got Pascal Siakam on my All-NBA 30 as it stands right now. Because I think he's been going under the radar a little bit. Because I, I think a lot of people have been sleeping on the Raptors because they've been down in the eighth or the seventh seed. So they haven't been must-watch games. But I think he's been fantastic on both ends of the floor this season and taking on some leadership I, You know, well. and thinking of the All-NBA team... Devin Booker, it better we, be on the All NBA. Should we get? It? Have you got an All NBA team right now? I, I, I don't right now, but I know this right now. I don't want to have an All NBA team because the season's not over with. But mm. Devin Booker First better team. be on this team, or First I'm team. getting. There's only two guards. Well, yeah. there's only two. Okay, well, and give, I'm putting give me the guard. I haven't, I haven't Jamaran, really thought about it. Jamaran, Luka Doncic. We got to remember what Steph Curry was doing and how bad the Warriors are now that he's injured. Steph Curry. Devin Booker, those four, I wouldn't be Devin mad Booker, if you say any of those four, four he better be on the first team. He who? better be on the first team. With, with, with who? With Ja. Because I've got Ja as a lock for that first team guard spot because of what he's done in Memphis. Well, you know, Ja's missed, you know, 18 he games. Missed, he's missed like 18, 20 games, you know, and you got to take that into consideration. Mm, that's you, true. Luca, you got to take that into consideration. And he's probably going to miss the, it looks like he's going to miss the, the, the entire rest of the season. That's what it looks like. Okay. Steph Curry has now missed, you know, I don't know how many games he's missed, but he's missed quite a few now. But when, when you were talking, when you saying those four, Devin Booker better be on that first team. Mm-hmm. He has to be. Devin, Devin Booker has to be on the first team. Now, you got to figure out all the other things. If you said John Morant or you said Steph Curry, you said Luka Doncic, okay, I'm not going to. You know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue those guys. You know, but I know this right now. Devin Booker has to be All NBA. It's time now. Yeah, he's only missed I think 11 games so far this season. Who's this? Devin Booker. This? Devin Booker. Yeah. yeah. And that was with COVID, so he was being forced to isolate. I, I, um, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So 
I'm not mad at Devin Booker being the first team All-NBA. Here's my thing about All-NBA is they said that Jokic and Embiid are both eligible for a guard and a forward vote. Which, okay, I get it because you want them both to be in. But only I think only one of them will make it because it's like to do with how many first place votes you get for that position. So the media need to align or the voters need to align is are they all going to vote for Embiid to be the center and all M- vote for Jokic to be the power forward? Or are they going to chop and change? Because if they do that, then they're at risk of one of them not making it. And I think they're both clearly all NBA. There, I think there are four all NBA first teams that are locked. Yeah, Giannis, Giannis Embiid. Embiid. And if you want to throw Booker in there, then we've got Booker in there too. Oh, Booker, Booker's in there. Now, I also believe, I don't know how many games he's missed. He's missed quite a few. KD is an all NBA. He, I'm going in the second seat. He shouldn't be, a, yeah, because of, because of games missed. But if he is eligible, he is an NBA all first team. I want to know NBA this because I think these teams should be positionless because it makes no sense in a positionless era of basketball to separate these players by position. But I want to know if LeBron James will be eligible to be voted at guard, forward, and center, given that he spent time at all three levels for the Lakers this season. He started a bunch of games at the five because if LeBron is eligible at the center, then that makes that makes life a lot easier. Because you could put LeBron James as the second team center, Carl Anthony Towns as well, the third well, team center, and I'm not mad about it. You know, Mo, I can't. Can I just say something to you? Of course, of course. As we're talking about this, Mo, you know how you started the show off and you said you're really excited? Mm. My dream is coming true, Mo. I just said four seven footers. Yep. For the first team. Yep. All NBA. Mo. We're one away. All we need is a seven-foot guard. Yeah. We need the second coming of Magic Johnson to enter the league, and then BJ saw it. Mo, Mo, <laughs> Mo, this is my dream come true. Five seven-footers. It's, it's Torbal. We're in the era of Torbal. We, we are in. We are closely approaching the era now where you have to be six ten to seven feet. So I, I wanted to play in this game. You know, I was looking for uh, I was looking to make a YouTube video about this in the offseason. OK, and here's my theory is that the small ball has damn near created a Frankenstein monster because it's not eliminated big players. It's just forced big players to master the guard skills. So now you're getting these guys, the Evan Mobley's of the world, the Chet Holmgren's of the world coming out at seven foot but able to dribble, able to pass, able to shoot. And then on defense, they're still seven foot tall, so they can protect the rim, but now they're quick enough to switch and guard guys off the dribble too. So small ball didn't kill the big man. It just forced them to evolve into the new era and the new generation of guys that we're seeing coming into the league that are taking over the league right now today. Because even if we do look at the super big men, Jokic and Embiid, they both shoot threes. They both push the ball in transition themselves. They both pass, you know, make plays for their teammates in the open court and stuff like that. So small ball, in effect, didn't eliminate the big man. It just eliminated the big man who had a limited skill set. And I still think there's roles for those guys on NBA teams as well. You know, the I remember when Dwight Howard made this video series called The Center for Centers. And it was like a parody about save our centers because their centers are going extinct in the NBA. And I think even guys like Dwight who don't play from the outside and still only really play on the inside, I think they still have important roles. You see how valuable guys like JaVale are on the Phoenix Suns and on the Lakers championship. 
The only people that I feel bad for are the Jalil Okafors of the world, whose games are predicated upon post-ups because we don't see a lot of those in modern NBA offenses. We see the, the two types of bigs, the ones that could stretch the floor, do it all, or the ones that play vertical basketball, you know, set screens, roll to the bucket, offensive rebound. But those guys that you would dump the ball to on the block, go out the bucket like the Al Jeffersons of the world and the Jalil Okafors of the world, they're the only ones who now I kind of feel bad for. And I wonder, as time and the cyclical nature of human existence, if we're going to get philosophical on, on a level of that, I wonder if there's going to be an era where the post play comes back into the NBA and we see these big fellas getting back to it, working on the block. Well, you know, Mo, I, 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 you know, being around the game, you have like moments, right? You have moments and things that you see and you go, man, something's a little different. My first moment of saying what a, a tall player, there, there are tall players and then there are big guys. Mm-hmm. And I want to make the distinction. Some players are tall. They're, 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 they're just tall. They're thin, but they're tall. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ralph Sampson was tall. And he was the first player that I saw in my youth that I really couldn't define him. I was like, he's not a big guy. You know what I mean? He doesn't play like a big guy. I mean, he was very skilled. He probably was a perimeter player who could play in the, in, in the post, but he was the first player. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Then I remember listening to the older players that I played with when I first got in the league talk about George Gervin and how George Gervin was a small forward, power forward when he came into the ABA. And then they got the idea to put him as a two guard. Think about that. Mm-hmm. He he did he wasn't out of the out of the gate. He wasn't a two guard. He played with Dr. J as a small forward or power forward, and then they moved him over to the two guard. Now, the reason I'm pointing out those two players because you start to see tall players playing smaller. Kevin Durant to me was the start of an era. I remember watching him in high school. And I remember thinking, here's another tall guy. But I didn't know what to make of him. Like, it was like, he's tall. He's like, he's really seven. He's, you know, he's a seven footer. Mm-hmm. I know he says he's only six no, nine. He's, he's, he's like he's, seven he's, one, seven two. Seven, bro. Yeah, he's, he stands next to DeMarcus Cousins and he's much taller than DeMarcus Cousins, yeah. who calls himself seven foot. <laughs> yeah. So he, and I saw him and I thought, here's a starter something because here was a big guy who plays small. But unlike the other tall players I've seen, he could put it on the floor. Mm -hmm. Then comes Giannis, who's another guy who is tall, but could put it on the floor. I don't consider these guys like big guys. They're just just tall. Now, big guys, Jokic is a big guy. Mm -hmm. Embiid. Big guy. They're big know, body, Marcus though. They're like, like Kenny's yeah, skinny they're, they're, and Giannis yeah, is athletic as hell. Whereas, yeah, not like, saying those like, guys aren't athletes, but they're units. Like, when Joel Embiid walks into the room, last time I seen Joel Embiid, the floor of the room started moving every step he took. This guy yeah, is yeah. huge. Do you, yeah. Shaq is a big guy. Yes. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, big guy. Man, the, the, you know the smallest moment guys. of my life, right? Be, I mean, I was in an arena... Um, an NBA game 
and I'm going up the elevator to get to the media floor, right? And Shaq gets in the elevator. And I've never felt smaller in my life because he occupied like 95% of the elevator because it's a small elevator. And I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big guy compared to like regular humans, right? But I'm in like the corner of the elevator all squashed like, <laughs> he's talking to me. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's yeah, no, way Shaq bigger is, than he even Shaq looks is. on the TV. Right. You know, even Akeem Olajuwon wasn't tall, but he played like a big guy. Yeah, yeah. You know he could get I mean? up as well. Alonzo Mourning wasn't tall. When I say, you know, he wasn't a seven-footer, but he mm. played like a big guy. So when you see these tall players, you got to redefine who they are and what they are and how they play. And it, it, it allows you to, you got to think in a certain way. And that's what makes Joel Envy so interesting is because he's a big guy, but he can handle the ball. Mm-hmm. Jokic is a big guy. These are combinations. And what you're seeing with these big players today is that this is the last position that has adapted to pace and space. The five position has been the last position to actually impact this era of basketball. And now they've caught up. Mm-hmm. And not only do are they catching up, they're going to surpass the game because now the coaches are going to be forced to find areas on the floor where they can operate. Mm-hmm. And guess where that place is, Mo? Where, BJ? On the box. Mm-hmm. On the box. Mm-hmm. There's no other place for them to go. These guys have moved out now. They're shooting at half court. Yeah, I see Embiid hit from the logo the other day. Just pulls yeah, up, yeah. cashes they're, in. They're, 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 they've, moved, they've moved the game out to literally the half court. Great players always are finding and looking for spaces or empty spaces to operate. That's what made Steph Curry so interesting because the game, as the game was getting closer to the basket, dunking and post moves and all of that, Steph Curry said, where's the open space? He looked around, he goes, it's out there. And he moved out there and no one was out there. Mm -hmm. And now everyone is out there, but no one is on the box. And that's why you're seeing Embiid and Jokic and these guys you know, surging and, and re-emerging as players because that's where the empty space is at. And, and speaking of finding the empty space, you know, I looked around the NBA landscape and I couldn't find a daily outlet that brought you breakdowns of the game from an NBA champion, media personality, and more importantly, just great vibes. So if you do like this niche that we've carved out in the NBA media world, make sure you subscribe to the Hoop Genius mm. podcast because we're here Monday to Friday every morning in your ears on your screens wherever you want YouTube Spotify Apple however you want to listen we're here and we're doing it how only we can do it many can imitate but they can never replicate the vibe oh. here is superior you know it hey so I just bars. Say, those were bars bro. those were bars uh, <laughs> BJ's talking to me about you know getting out to America getting in the studio with some of his guys I could give him a little flavor little teaser (laughs) stay tuned for all of that in the meantime stay rocking with us make sure you tweet us your questions for friday's episode of hoopology where we will be answering your questions and until next time yeah yeah i know i know we're gonna have some good ones we're gonna have some good ones yes and and as soon as i I need you guys actually I'm, i'm gonna tell you this to make it fair turn on the tweet notifications for the hoop genius twitter account because i'm gonna give the first 20 people who reply to the tweet priority because otherwise we're going to have a 10-hour episode. 
So I need you to have the notifications on. And as soon as you see that tweet, get your questions in. I'm going to need the first 20. So turn on the notification bell, subscribe to the podcast. And most importantly, get buckets.